0: That he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one dared to ask him any question. The word of the Lord. Thanks be God. to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Commandments. Rules. How many rules do we have in our lives right now? It's unfortunate that it seems like we are on tenderhooks wondering if our friends are following the same rules that we are. Our motivation to follow rules is based on the promise that rules are put in place for our own benefit. Washing hands and wearing masks are proven to be effective in reducing transmission of germs and viruses. The first hygiene and sanitary practices were implemented by Florence Nightingale in 1854, over 165 years ago. In 1854, the injuries from the Crimean War were staggering and the troops requested support in the form of medical aid. On November 4, 1854, Florence Nightingale and 38 nurses arrived at the British camp outside of Constantinople. But when they first got there, the doctors were unwelcoming because they did not want to work in the field with female nurses. However, As the number of wounded soldiers kept increasing, the doctors were forced to accept their help. The nurses brought supplies, nutritious food, cleanliness and sanitation to the military hospital. They also provided individual care and support. Nightingale was known for carrying a lamp and checking on the soldiers at night, so they gave her the nickname, The Lady with the Lamp. Within six months, Nightingale and her team transformed the hospital, and the death rate went from 40% to 2% because of their work—supplies, nutritious food, cleanliness, and sanitation. Well, Just like the Crimean War, these years of 2019 to 2021 might become equally famous or infamous for the things we did and the things we did not do. Statistical analysis and the study of human behaviours will tell us much about our motivations and the full impact of the choices we are making. Even our scriptures are extolling the benefits of following the rules. The psalmist writes, Happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Happy are those who keep his decrees, who seek him with their whole heart. Well, after these months of observing protest marches and insurrections at home and around the world, it seems to me that people have the biggest problem with following the rules when they do not respect the authority of the ones who set the rules and who enforce them. We know that the roots of mistrust and skepticism are always a part of our culture— Vaccine hesitancy was around long before Pfizer, Moderna, and AstraZeneca asked us to get the jab. So I look at this discussion on first and great commandments between Jesus and the scribe, and I was wanting to see if I could find evidence of this same human condition in Jesus' time. Firstly, this is a conversation between Jesus and a scribe, two persons with authority— The scribes are part of the highest religious authorities of the day. They're responsible for recording, translating, and interpreting scriptures. They're responsible for transmission of the message. In a way, scribes are like today's media outlets. They're collating and disseminating information to the masses. Now, Jesus has come on the scene without any official references— He's not, he speaks as one with authority, but he's not credentialed. And that is very bothersome to the religious leaders. But in these few verses, we get a glimpse into the mind of the scribe. The scribe heard a dispute between Jesus and the other leaders, and seeing that Jesus answered well, posed his own question. And that's still how we question authority today. We listen, we form opinions, we ask our own questions. And what does he ask? You know, if if I met Jesus out in the parking lot of All Saints Church today, this would not be the first question that's burning on my heart. But the scribe asks, what is the greatest commandment? Now, for our scribe, This isn't just any off-the-cuff question. This question is loaded. For religious leaders, the commandments of Scripture were the paradigm of their religious life. Much of their time was devoted to studying and interpreting the law and commandments. So to answer the question, Jesus quotes from these same scriptures that they study. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone— You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Now, the way we have memorized and repeated these few verses in the Gospel of Mark has the potential for us to lose that whole backstory, history, and foundation of what was going on behind this seemingly innocuous question about which is the greatest commandment. By pulling out this verse— Jesus is showing the scribe the vastness of God's blessing. This quote from Deuteronomy is not just a regulation recorded on a tablet, because embedded in this quote is the entire context of God's promise for his people and of God's redemptive love. The people of Israel didn't get this commandment, or any commandment for that matter, until after God had fulfilled every one of God's promises to them. Let me tell you about those promises. In ancient days, God said to Abraham that from his descendants, God would build a nation. And much later, when the descendants of Abraham were suffering, God redeemed them from slavery and brought them out to salvation in the promised land. Only after fulfilling all of those promises, only then were God's people asked to respond with love and with care for one another. With the life of Jesus, we can see God repeating this promise scenario once again. The Gospels begin with recalling these promises. Just look at Mark chapter 1. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in the prophet Isaiah. Matthew and Luke do the same thing in their Gospels many times, as it is written, as it was foretold by the prophets, referring back again and again to the promises of God for redemption and salvation, promises that God has fulfilled. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was promised to us, and through Jesus we are granted redemption. Several times before we get to this scene in chapter 12 where the scribe and Jesus are arguing, Jesus has also foretold His own death and resurrection to the disciples. Chapter 8, 31. Then He began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering— and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. We have the benefit of hindsight now. We know that the promise of Jesus was fulfilled in the Resurrection. We know that by His death and Resurrection, Jesus has redeemed us. So we give our Redeemer the authority to command us. We can be commanded to love God because we've already received so much loving from God. We already are the beneficiary of so much of God's goodness. That's exactly why we need commandments in the first place, because without them, it would be easy to grow complacent in the lap of all this goodness. I'm sure we've met children whose parents' lavish gifts and indulgences without any expectation of behavior? If you're simply given everything with no expectation, it's easy to become narcissistic and self-centered and spoiled rotten. We know that healthy, productive adults have grown out of good discipline and appropriate boundaries, established when they were children and youth. So we need rules— We need some rules about how to relate to the one who's in authority over us and about how to relate to the people around us. Now here, this is the most amazing thing. God chose to ground all of that in love. It's amazing because, you know, rules don't have to be grounded in love. Rules can be grounded in wrath. Rules can be grounded in a total debasement of the other. That is slavery. Or rules can be grounded in a total disdain for the individual. That's totalitarianism. That's not how God set up these commandments. We can find pockets of that that kind of rulemaking throughout history. But loving with heart, soul, mind, and strength, that means loving in a selfless and consuming way. It means we have to know ourselves. We have to know our own heart to be able to love with our heart. We have to understand to be able to love with our mind. We have to test our limits to be able to love with our strength. This way of being is what defines us as a person who loves God. It defines our waking hours and the way we plan and live each day of our lives. Some days, of course, this is easier to follow than others. Some days we are completely willing to lay down our lives for God and for our neighbors. But other days come, and God can feel very distant, and our neighbors can feel like enemies. And that's why we need each other. That's why we need to be in community, sticking together, even after all these months of being apart. We need to be reminded how hard it is to love our neighbor. And it's only in community we can learn how hard it is for our neighbors to love us. We come to those realizations, and we can only be humbled in the face of God's enormous love for us. God loved us first. Yes, Jesus loves me. I want to close these comments with a quote from a wonderful book called What is God Like? It was published posthumously by Rachel Held Evans, and it's an illustrated children's book. I want to recommend it to everyone. It would make a great Christmas present. What is God Like? That's a very big question, Rachel tells us, one that people from places all around the world throughout all time have answered in many different ways. Keep searching, keep wondering, keep learning about God. But whenever you aren't sure what God is like, think about what makes you feel safe. What makes you feel brave? What makes you feel loved? That's what God is like. Friends, from these promises, we can understand who God is. And out of this understanding, we can love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then fortified by the love we have received, we can love our neighbors as ourselves. We can feel safe. We can feel brave, loved. And we can help our neighbors to feel that way, too. May the kingdom come. Amen.